1: Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host from Becoming Your Best, and we are delighted to have a terrific guest with us today. She is the founder of Curtis Leadership Consulting, based in Denver, Colorado our neighbor supporting a range of high-achieving clients from world-class entrepreneurs to executives from Fortune 500 companies and Olympic athletes. So welcome, Christina Curtis. Thank you. Excited to be here. Oh, well, we're excited to have you. I'll just tell you a little bit more about her before we get going. A thought leader on motivation and goal attainment. She has written articles and been featured in Harvard Business Review, Forbes, Psychology Today, Entrepreneur, and Fortune Magazine. She earned her master's degree in organizational psychology and is certified in neuroleadership, which is an accredited master coach, a designation held by less than 2% of coaches globally. Christina's groundbreaking new book, Choosing Greatness, an evidence-based approach to achieve exceptional Outcome. Outcomes simplifies success by giving us exclusive front row access to the daily choices made by exceptionally successful leaders and athletes. And it highlights the habits that hold you back and the choices that move you forward. So uh, as we had the chance to visit beforehand, and we talked about becoming your best and the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, we can't wait to hear <laughs> some of the things discovered and teaches. And I'm sure that uh, they will have an impact on every one of us. So let's get right into it. And Christina, just tell us about your background and any turning points in your life that has had a significant impact on you and where you are today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me again. And my background was actually originally in sales, believe it or not. Uh, Two decades ago, I started in Xerox running their sales training program. And I got really curious about the difference between the people who are making it to the top of the leaderboard and the people who are constantly struggling. And I decided to get very committed to finding that answer. And it's brought me to all kinds of remote parts of the world studying human psychology, whether it's out uh, swimming with sharks and watching how people react, uh, whether I'm skydiving and watching people react there, or even sitting in silence with Buddhist monks for two weeks in Thailand. I have been driven to find out why is it that we react Differently to whatever's in front of us rather than thoughtfully responding based on the outcome we want to achieve. What I've really come down to, Steve, is understanding that we are hardwired in a certain way to avoid risk and seek reward. And this shows up in our business environment in a very fundamental way. Like we may show up in a meeting and say, gosh, I'm not sure I should say anything here. I might sound like an idiot. And so I don't talk. And immediately I've limited my ability to drive results, even though it's just a reaction to the fact that everyone's looking at me right now and I'm feeling uncomfortable. Or you may react to feedback negatively and become defensive during a performance review. And that can derail your career because you're now seen as not interested in growth, even though it was just a reaction. So this whole concept of bad habits and our neural response to threat and risk is a big differentiator in terms of how people achieve success or whether they're constantly eroding their own results.
1: Okay, well, what a background. Great going on. We love this subject, don't we? <laughs>
2: Well, it's such an important one because we all deal with it, right? We all go out, we wake up in the morning, we're like committed to having a great day and then things happen. I don't know about you, Steve, but suddenly some email pops up in your inbox and triggers you or you're having a conversation and it throws you off or you get home and the world is bombarding you via all these different devices that we've got on and you can't even be present with your family. This is normal, normal, everyday life. And so the question becomes... How do I just interrupt all that? How do I turn the noise down on the things that are causing me to react in a way that isn't moving me forward from a results or relationship standpoint so I can choose the future I want and actually show up and choose how I respond day in and day out? And that's what I notice. If I look at the Olympic athletes I work with or Richard Branson, who I, I feature in the book, or many of the CEOs I capture is they are allowing the emotions of a reaction to flow through them without just showing it, without allowing it to just be them. It's just an emotional reaction. It doesn't drive my behavior. And in the book, we talk about that, how to use that, that thought process of choosing how you want to be in your environment. And, and in fact, that's what you get, you get reflected back.
1: Christina, what are the habits that hold you back and the choices that move you forward to realizing the things that really count in life?
2: Yeah, one of the greatest bad habits, I'll put it in that box, the bad habit that holds us back is we actually don't choose what we focus on. We just focus on whatever's popping up in front of us. And that could look like, hey, I, I was choosing to accomplish a particular goal this month, but then life happened and my focus was distracted to the daily fires that I'm engaged in. And I never actually moved the needle on my goal. I never moved it forward. And so choosing your focus is a critical component. And even to the point that when you choose your focus, you have to remember what you're saying yes and saying no to. So being very, very I use the word ruthless. My mom hates when I use that word, but it's true. Being ruthless in terms of what you're choosing to focus on, not everything requires or deserves your attention. And we just react. It's like someone shares a problem with us and suddenly it's my problem. Well, actually that may not be the right expenditure of my energy or my time in that moment. What else do I need to be focusing on? So every day waking up and being really conscious of that. The other part that I think is really important when I look at all the people who I work with who have achieved exceptional levels of results And relationships, it's that relationship piece, choose who you're spending your time with, choose very consciously who fills your cup, who drains it. And be aware that whatever you are, whoever you are spending time with is either helping you and you're helping them like a, a strong community and moving people forward, or not. Some people even isolate, right? If you think about the COVID and the pandemic over the past few years, many of us retreated and that may be impacting our networks. And so just choosing those relationships really wisely and looking at your calendar and saying, where am I meeting with the people who bring me up, who energize me, who push me to be my better self and making sure they're in your network. That's really important.
1: Okay, I love the fact that you're using the word uh, making right choices. There's absolutely no doubt that we are a result of the choices that we make in life and they directly impact our outcomes. How do you make good choices? How do you make the best choices in your life? And follow your passion as an inspiration to do good things, right things, best things.
2: Yeah, Steve, I think it all starts with slowing down to figure out what you want. What do you want? What do you want If this? If you get to the end of your career, or the end of your life and you look back, you wanna be able to say, heck yeah, I did that and feel a sense of accomplishment, feel a sense of satisfaction. And I'll tell you, I was working at um, Xerox and sales for, for quite some time. And I kept looking at the positions that were higher than mine and thinking, is that what I want? Maybe that's not what I want. Actually, I don't want that role. And it was, they're phenomenal people who've gone on to do great things. It wasn't about them. It was just, that was not, was aligned with my passion. I wanted to run my own company. I wanted to run my own company. I wanted to be very successful at it. I wanted to write a book. I had a clear vision. And that allowed me to make clear choices. That allowed me to to make my move. You think about Richard Branson, right? When he was 18, he looked up at the moon and saw Buzz and Neil landing there and said, I want to be able to do that. That's my choice. I want to choose to land on the moon someday or make it to space. And lo and behold, 51 years later, he's out there floating, but it dictated what he focused on, the network he built, the experts he engaged, the learning he focused on, it drew him towards his chosen future over the course of five decades. I mean, that's incredible. And 400 brands under his portfolio of management. So getting clear on what you want in this lifetime to me is really important. And for me, my primary choice is actually family. I wanna be very successful in business. I wanna operate in circles of people who make me better. And it all has to be aligned with as a working parent being really close and connected to my husband and to my children and to my parents and to my friends and network. And so I actually interviewed people in the book who not only achieved exceptional levels of results in their and are titans in their industry, but are also happy. I think that's important. Choosing happiness for me was critical.
1: I love that. And how do you keep that vision in front of you? In today's world where so many just feel task saturation, just being bombarded by urgency and requests here and demands here, and I have to do this. How do you keep your vision in front of you so that you can have that type of a focus? And because no doubt, I think ultimately having that kind of clarity that you just talked about, the things that bring you happiness and joy and peace and motivate you. Also, you feel like you're in the right thing. I mean, I can tell, Christina, you're in, you're doing the right stuff. Like, You started talking about it and a big grin came across your face. (laughs) I love this stuff. (laughs) I can tell. How do you keep it in front of you so it doesn't get lost?
2: Yeah. Not only does it not get lost, but you don't talk yourself out of it. Because what I often see is people will say, gosh, Christina, if I really get down to what I want, this is what it is. But it feels a little too big. Feels a little too bold for me. Feels like I couldn't achieve that. They get nervous. We get nervous. I get nervous every day. In fact, so do all the executives that are interview in the book, self doubt's a natural part of this process. And so I, I'm a big component of thinking of your life in terms of chapters. And right now, the chapter of my life as an example. It took me 3 years to write a book. That was a whole chapter. That was a multi-year chapter and I knew that it was going to get to completion. I didn't know when. It turns out Steve it takes longer to write a book than I thought. But I got I got committed to that being this chapter and so there was no ending the chapter without a book being written and on the shelves at Barnes and Noble and making the Amazon bestseller list. I was clear that that was going to be the outcome. And now I'm in this new chapter and I'm getting clarity on what that looks like. It all fits into a bigger picture, but for me, I'm spending my summer as I'm working thinking through what would be really fulfilling for this next chapter? What's the next big goal that fits into my bigger vision? And I put it up, I see you have a whiteboard. I've got my whatever chapter is going. My vision is on my board, whatever that chapter is called. And sometimes, frankly, it's been family. Sometimes I've had a summer or a year where it's like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing my job, but I'm not going to push really hard there. I'm going to push hard with family. And so it's being thoughtful of what that chapter is And just choosing it instead of it just happening to you and you wake it up feeling like you've been in a a laundry machine cycle all all year and you don't know what the heck happened, (laughs) which occurs.
1: (sighs) Yeah, indeed. Okay, well, that's great. I love it. From your experience, Christina, so I love having the clarity, the direction, tying it to your passion and your feelings and intuitive sense about I want to make a difference here and whether... These are people that, for example, are technicians or on a sports team or a teacher or whatever. I mean, it's tapping into this feeling of how to create excellence within your company, within what you're doing, or following that that drive that you feel, but how do you manifest it? And so I've got another question from your experience, both writing about others and in your own life, what role does failure play? Because Sometimes, you know, we come up against the wall and it feels pretty rough. And how do you deal with that? And what does that mean to you? What role does failure play? And what do you do about it?
2: Such a great question. People interpret it as being the opposite of success. If you ask any Olympic athlete or any executive whether failure is the opposite of success, they'll say, no, it's part of the process. In order to achieve something it's not really about the end goal. Like if I looked at my book, right, this was the chapter of getting this book completed. I was, I've wanted to do it since my grandfather was a writer. Since I was eight years old, I was clear it was a goal of mine. I walk into Barnes and Noble and it's on the bookshelf and I broke down in tears. I didn't break down in tears because it made it to the bookshelf of Barnes and Noble. I broke down in tears because I was so proud of all the setbacks I'd overcome the three years preceding that moment. And so to me, failure is not the opposite of success. It is every day, your way of growing, every day, your way of sharpening your skill set, every day of your way of expanding your knowledge base that you didn't have the day previously. And so I'm a big proponent of actually looking for your moments of failure so you can sit in it. Sure, it stings, but also be like, what did I learn? How did I grow? What can I now use that will make me even more powerful and effective tomorrow than I was today? rather than turning it into a moment of self-doubt. I think about athletes, right? I've got this particular client who plays tennis, and when he's out there on the court and he hits the ball and it goes into the net, if he just focuses on the failure of that moment, he's no longer in the game. He's taken all of his efforts and he's thought about how he's no longer effective. He's not good enough. He's not smart enough. He's out of the game, and he could be sitting there in Wimbledon on the center court beating himself up rather than, God, the ball went into the net. That's interesting. Why don't I just adjust my wrist? It doesn't need to mean anything more than that oh, I lost the game. Interesting. Let's watch it back and see what I could do better next time. Got it. Doesn't need to mean anything. And so you're constantly strengthening your skill set. Failure is part of the process. It is not a dead end. It's just a sharp turn in the road and it's time to learn to drive a little tighter around that curve. That's it.
1: Okay, good stuff. Yeah. So first having our vision, a clear vision of where we want to go, regardless of what our roles are in life, but really creating an inspiring vision that when you get up in the morning it pumps you up. You start living your life from within rather than based on what's going on without. And then second, we all have setbacks, and that's okay. <laughs> but what's not okay is laying there. Yeah. And so I love the way you say we learn from it as part of it, and and let's just take if you're a say a, a part of a a crew or say you're an installer of some type of in home service, your goal is to be among the best. Well, like anything else in life, you have to have a mental image of what it takes and and then you probably get kicked in the stomach a few times. And then all of a sudden you turn around and a year later you're there. You're among the very best and you stay at it. It's very cool.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I work with a lot of folks in the agriculture space and so you've got these people who are servicing equipment out there in the fields and I remember having a conversation with someone because they just they were struggling with, what is my goal? What is my goal? And what got really clear is it's not about the job you do every day. It's about the purpose of that job. For instance, for me, whether I wrote a book or I'm working with an executive, the, the real goal for me is to create connection for people with what they are passionate about in life and to create wins. And so this particular technician, what became very clear to him as we're having this conversation is his goal is to get equipment up so he can help families feed one another. So he can support communities. And gosh, when you move what you do into purpose-driven work, it changes the whole game because you wake up and you realize there's no cog in the wheel. Your work is actually changing lives for the better. And there are very few roles I can think of that aren't actually moving the world forward in a really positive way. And so get clear on your purpose, get clear on what you're driven by and what you're passionate about What you do every day is not just a job. It is in service of a bigger goal. And once you tap into that, man, happiness increases, fulfillment increases, and the quality of the work skyrockets.
1: Indeed. One of the things I think, Christina, as we talked about, that you have written about is uh, how you come across in an interview, how you relate with other people. So I was just thinking about that topic. And in the very few minutes that we have left in this interview, I'd like to touch on that. So it's not just an interview. Every single day, people are meeting other people. And indeed, it's this contact, this connect we're able to make that makes a difference. So first of all, how does someone bring a positive emotion to meeting somebody, whether it's an interview or a customer or fellow employees? What do you recommend on that? How do you bring a good positive energy? Because it makes a difference, right?
2: Yes, it makes a difference and it's contagious. Energy is the most contagious element on the planet. Two people can actually sit in silence, Steve, next to each other and not say anything for 10 minutes. And the person with the dominant mood will transfer their energy to the other individual without saying a word. So you think about that, it means that what we are doing out there and the energy we bring into the world is what's reflected back. If I start my day on a Monday and I am beaten down already and feeling down and not having a good start to my week, I am likely to have that exact same energy reflected back to me because it's what I'm bringing in. It's like if I come home, I've had a bad day and I show up in my house with my kids and I'm crabby. Guess what? Suddenly they're crabby. Well, suddenly I'm crabby that they're crabby and we're all crabby. And I'm like, this was not an effective use of our energy. So you have to choose what kind of energy you want to bring into an interview or into a negotiation or into just a meeting or discussion at home, because it is the way that we communicate, we reflect back by empathy, what we are seeing and what we are feeling from the other person. What we do know is particularly related to human beings and interviews is that likability is a critical component of getting the job. And so I recommend people be very clear on what they want to create, what feeling and experience they want to create for the interviewer. I want to show up and I'm going to ask you questions about your weekend because I want to create connection. I want to show up enthusiastically because I want to show you that I'm passionate and that I actually care. So consciously choose the experience you want to create, bring that into those meetings, and it changes the outcome both for you and for the other individual.
1: I'm glad you talked about likability. Because you know, we could ask our listeners if you had the chance to work for somebody, if you had a boss that's likable, how has that been to work with that person versus Have you ever had a boss that was a grump? And what was that like, right? And everybody says, yeah, I want to work for the person that is likable. And same at home, you know, with your partner, you want to be likable. And it just is so uplifting. It creates an environment. I love the example you used of sitting next to someone and not saying a word. The dominant mood prevails. Well, having a positive, upbeat, likable attitude makes a difference. So you just started to talk about some of those things. Any other final tips that you would offer in that area? Because it's a game changer across the board of how somebody can be likable. It comes
2: full circle back to the beginning where we react to however we feel when an emotion shows up. So I may see an email come through that makes me unhappy. My day is now filtered through unhappiness. Guess what? That's not particularly effective. And so I'm very conscious of choosing how I want to feel and choosing how I want to engage. And I've learned that by watching Titans in their field over the past 20 years. It's you have to choose the energy that you're bringing into every moment, even when you don't feel like it. So here's what that looks like. If I'm feeling down, I may sit in it and process it before I bring it into an area where it could have a big impact, unless there's purpose in the impact. I may um, move my body physically and shift the emotions so that I can get back energized. I may go exercise. I may talk, call a friend and just have a good moment where I vent my frustrations and say, hey, I'm gonna go and show up positively. I needed a space for this. Thanks for being with me. I didn't want it to bring it into this other space that I'm moving into. But energy is contagious. Emotion is contagious. And so are dreams. So dream big, live bold and go out there and give it your best. That is, failure is not the opposite of success. It is just part of the process. And so go for it, go for it. There is no failure in the big game of life. You just keep on trucking.
1: Okay, good job. Christina Curtis- how can people find out about what you're doing?
2: Sure. On Amazon, my book, Choosing Greatness, uh, Choosing Greatness, an Evidence-Based Approach to Achieving Exceptional Outcomes. Come, come there or check us out at Curtis Leadership Consulting, curtisleadership.com, curtisleadership.com, and we can continue the conversation.
1: Loved having you on with us today. What a delight. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. You bet. And wishing you all the best in the good work that you're doing. You're blessing a lot of lives.
2: I appreciate you. Same. Right back at you.
1: Oh, thank you. And to all of our listeners, it's such an honor that you would tune in today. Thank you for joining us. We love getting energy from you. We feel it. And you are blessing lives every single day as you're working on becoming your best. So you inspire us. Thank you. Wishing you a great day. This is Steve Schallenberger signing off.
0: Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly peak performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.